Listen, if you're always running to the bathroom and sometimes just can't make it, we need to talk. You're not alone. I was just like you until I spoke to an expert physician about axonix therapy. It changed everything. It didn't just give me bladder control, it gave me my life back. Axonix therapy is not another drug. It's just a tiny device you barely have to think about. And it can give you real lasting relief. You can even try it out first to make sure it works for you. Just take the first step. Get started at findrealrelief.com. That's findrealrelief.com. It's time to get your life back. Consult a bladder specialist to find out if Axonix is right for you. Results and experiences may vary. Risks can result from Axonix therapy that may require surgical intervention. Available by prescription only. For more information about safety and potential risks, go to findrealrelief.com. Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name. And we're still here. It's an exciting day in Rangerstown, according to Vince Z. Mercogliano of USA Today Sports. Adam Fox has been locked up by the Rangers seven years, $9.5 million annually. It's a high total, but not high when you think about what Adam Fox brings to the table. He's a Norris caliber defender. He's been the Rangers' best player since he's pretty much put on the blue shirt sweater and He's going to continue to be the Rangers' best player now over the course of the next seven years. It's awesome to see the Rangers finally solidify that number one defenseman. They've been waiting for somebody like that. They arguably have not had a defenseman of Fox's caliber since Leach, and he's only 23 years old right now. So you're locking him up for the start of his prime. He's going to get another contract once he hits 30 or 31. And next thing you know, you got Fox for a career as a Ranger. So it's an awesome day. 9.5 million is the same annual value as Seth Jones. I think one of these defenders is a significantly better player and the Rangers are going to love having Fox around for the next seven years. Still has one year left on his ELC. This contract will kick in after that, but Adam Fox is a New York Ranger for now and the foreseeable future. From roommates to co-hosts, this is the Back Check with Brendan Azoff and Stefan Rosner, your go-to destination for New York hockey and NHL news. And now it's time to drop the puck. Here are your hosts, Brendan Azoff and Stefan Rosner. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Season 2, Episode 4 of The Back Check. Brendan and Stefan here, as always. The Back Check is brought to you by Belly Up Sports on Unhinged Radio. Tuesdays at 5 p.m., you can catch us live on Unhinged Radio. Don't miss out our episodes weekly. It's been a hectic week around the NHL community, which we're going to dive into in a little bit. But first, how are you doing today, buddy? I'm doing good. I'm just very frustrated with the NHL schedule right now, particularly for the Islanders. <laughs> I feel like I feel like we get blue balled. That's what it is. We have one game, Islanders have one game, and then we have to wait like a week for them to play. And then it's oh, it's a crunch time. Great game. Islanders have a lead. Ah, losing a shootout, but they can't just bounce back because they have to wait another four or so days to play Thursday. Then they have a back to back this upcoming weekend. And then it's off for a little. It's just it's just hectic, and we know why. It's because of their home finishing up UBS Arena November 20th. It's just crazy how many off days they have on a 13-game road trip to start a season. Yeah, the, the schedule has been intriguing, to say the least. Whenever, like the early part of the year, whenever you look at this schedule and you see like the Rangers have eight games played and then some other teams still have five, and yeah. there's just no balance, it's, it's odd to see. But eventually, they'll all end up with 82, so we just got to be patient right now. And the, the after the Olympic break, I feel like we'll have some more schedule normalcy. But, you know, we have segments now, and we're going to dive into the first one here. The first one is called Around the Boards, our NHL segment. It's presented by Pure Hockey. So Around the Boards is brought to you by Pure Hockey. What began as a small shop in Worcester, Mass., is now the largest hockey retailer in the USA. And no matter how large their company becomes, their number one focus and passion is simply the sport of hockey. Get the highest quality equipment you need for your hockey endeavors today at purehockey.com. The link is in our link tree, which is in our social media bio, so definitely check them out. And unfortunately, the news that is surrounding the NHL this week is very negative. Uh, Kyle Beach coming out as the John Doe in that Chicago Blackhawks uh, Brad Aldridge sexual abuse case, and it's just 
it's a stain on the sport whenever something happens in a negative light, but it's a massive stain on the sport when it's something in this aspect that had this many people that could have done something differently and they all failed Kyle Beach. Yeah, and it's it's a tough pill to swallow for the hockey community. I mean, we both watched that interview. I was in tears watching Beach because, you know, for all the heat he got for, you know, you're hearing around the, the league like from fans going, well, how does he let that happen? You know, this is Kyle Beach, professional hockey player, letting a video coach who's not as big as him let him do these just disgusting, inhumane things to him. And it's just like, you got to stop with that. I mean, this is, you know, in that moment, you freeze up. I know um, Craig Carden on the radio, WFN, was talking about it because he was a victim of sexual assault. And he said, it doesn't matter. In those situations, it's power. It's a power thing. And the fact that the Chicago Blackhawks knew about the alleged assault, Let's not let's not throw out there that they knew that it was actually occurring. They knew that he was being talked about, Aldridge, as being a, a guy that was sexually abusing players. And they decided that winning was more important than sexual assault. They just not only failed Kyle Beach, they failed the victims. There was another, there's John Doe too involved in the incident as well in Chicago. There were other victims later on. By failing Kyle Beach, they failed many more people down the road. And who knows how many more have not come forward on Aldridge. And the fact that, Aldridge was able to stay in the sport. I know he, he did go to he did FaceTime uh, for sixteen. He um, sexually abused a sixteen year old hockey player. Just the fact that this went, nothing happened for eleven years, and so many people of power knew. And when you have a position of power in an organization, your job is to protect your players. And it starts with Joe Quenneville. We know what happened with Joe Quenneville this week. He resigned as the head coach of the Florida Panthers. He was forced to resign. Stan Bowman. Forced to resign. McIsaac, forced to resign. The league's trying to do and trying to make things right now, but the problem is it's too late. The damage has been done. Kyle Beach will never get his career back. He'll never get his life back. I mean, he's been holding this in and not saying anything after coming forward originally. For 11 years, drugs and alcohol played a role. I mean, his life is screwed up, and he's trying to work his way back and, you know, get back to what he was. You know, the Kyle Beach that, you know, it's just, it's so unfortunate because... Like we both said, had the power to stop. So many people had the power to stop this or make it right in the moment. And everyone turned a blind eye. And they lived with turning a blind eye. No one, you know, they're all apologizing now. They're all apologizing because they got caught. If they were never caught, they're never coming out and saying, I'm sorry. Because you look at all these apologies, Brendan. They're all shit. I'm sorry. They're all pathetic. They're all, let's cover our own sake. I mean, they lied about the, you know, the investigation just... So much went wrong, a stain on an original circus organization now. That's going to have to do a lot to get back in the in the good graces of the NHL community. Yeah, I mean, you look at what went on and uh, know that everybody main focus when Kyle Beach revealed himself was on the TSN interview. And it was just really heartbreaking to hear him talk about the 16-year-old that wound up getting assaulted by Brad Aldrich. And he's like, I apologize for not coming out sooner. And the fact that his mindset was on you know, that where he's like, I got to apologize for, to this kid because he took responsibility for it, which is something that he can't be responsible for. I mean, there's no way that Kyle Beach should ever hold any type of guilt in his heart towards that kid for what happened because he was a victim in his own right. And uh, it, it's something that I think a lot of people took away from that interview and was was the, the main focus point as to why everyone is kind of rallying around Kyle Beach and showing him the support. But at the same time, we, we do have a society where everyone is trying to, you know, we want accountability. I think we want immediate accountability. And we all started to focus our thing on Stan Bowman, Joel Quenville. And in the end, they all failed Kyle Beach. And they all are now suffering the consequences for their actions that happened back in 2010. But the real monster here is Brad Aldrich. And I feel like we are starting to lose that focus a little bit in our you know, headhunt to get all these guys out of their positions. Brad Aldrich is the guy that did this. He's the guy that <laughs> has done it to numerous people. And he's the one who's in the end, their name is, should be remembered as somebody who is that detrimental to the sport of hockey. We shouldn't lose focus on who is the real animal here. And that's just something I wanted to say. No, you're dead right. And I saw an article about Aldrich. He has his own glass company. I, I could give a flying, you know what about Aldridge, And I think that, He's a POS that should rot in jail. I mean, like, he he's a monster. He's a monster and doesn't belong in society, but whatever, the legal system, I'm, that's not my out of my control. But he owns a company now where it's pretty much been built off interns. And in order for an intern to work for him, they must be 18 or older because of his past uh, sexual assault. 
But they could be 19. I mean, how old was Beach? Beach wasn't 16. He was no, probably Beach was older, yeah. So I don't know how on earth he is allowed to run a company, I guess because it was alleged. Now that it is out there and there's investigations and they're going to court, I know for some reason the Black Cooks are fighting Beach. It's just, it's it's brutal. It's brutal to follow if you're going to follow. But the fact that Aldridge is allowed to be around pretty much anyone, he should be in a box by himself for the rest of his life. But again, that's that's my opinion. That's not how the legal system works. It's a shame because he really doesn't deserve anything in life. Once you, I, I just reading through that summary of the case, I couldn't get through it because it, it's one thing if you say sexual abuse, like touching. You know, people think like the basic touching. What Aldridge did to Beach and probably all of the victims is not even remotely close to just touch. Like it is twisted, psychopathic behaviors that. Like just reading it, you're you're thinking it's out of a horror movie. Like that can't happen, and it and it did, and it's just it's disgusting. It's traumatizing. When you saw Beach, he could not get through that interview. And when you said when he took the blame for um for the 16 year old, I mean, all of our hearts sank because he can't take the blame for himself there. And he'd show he he's the courage that he showed throughout the interview, throughout coming forward. It's not measurable. It's immeasurable. And I think victims of... So I know we had um, Kobe Guy on last week. And shout out to Kobe. He came on top about the Florida Panthers. But he's also a victim of sexual assault. And he had a powerful article with Florida Hockey Now about what he went through and about what Pete's coming forward meant. I mean, that's what it is. It's legit. He's changing lives for a lot of people that were victims. And hopefully moving forward, I know Kyle kept saying, I want to make sure this never happens again. And you're hearing other teams talk about it. I know the Islanders had Barry Trotz and Anders Lee spoke. The, there's something you could do to change what happened. But going forward, you have to make sure that this never happens again. Yeah, absolutely correct. And uh, one thing I do want to do is I want to shout out uh, Rick Westhead, who is the yes. one that hosted the interview for TSN. And he's been pretty much the sole investigative journalist in this whole entire case. And uh, kind of crazy that so many people in the media and they you have all the information that is this accessible but it took one guy really digging and diving to to get to the bottom of this whole scenario which so so rick has westhead should be commended for that and you know the crazy part is is we always say never judge a book by its cover and when you cover a sport that is pretty much just a game that grown men are playing you, yeah. you do tend to get a little over emotional when it comes to some of our takes that that writers have and when somebody who was taken as high as Kyle Beach was not performing, everyone was very quick to call him a bust, right? And they're like, 11th oh, overall. Yep, right? one of the biggest busts in NHL draft history. Never really played an NHL game. And now you go fast forward 10 years and all this is being revealed. And you wonder why, you know, he couldn't make it to the NHL because he had this emotional toll on him. And you see all these writers kind of coming out and apologizing. And it, I don't know why people were getting angry at them for those headlines in 2010 or 2011 because they had no clue that this was going on. So it's not really on them, but it's a staple of why you never rush to judgment. And I think we all can take something from this. And, you know, human beings tend to learn from those most tragic and and traumatic events. So this is something like that where Kyle Beach's bravery can be commended and we could all learn from it and hopefully better the game because of it. Yeah, and just the last thing I'll say is I never judge a book by its cover, always by the number of pages. And you look at Kyle Beach as an individual, and I'm back then, I mean, he, he did all he could at the time. He told everyone, he could, first off, his mental skills coach, which nowadays you would say would be like your mental health coach, failed him. His head coach failed <laughs> him. Five or seven people, I think it was seven people, had a meeting to discuss the allegations. They all failed him. I know the GM over in Winnipeg, I can't pronounce his last name, not worth Kevin my time. Day off, yep. He got off the hook because he was in that meeting but was quote-unquote powerless. You know who else was powerless? Kyle Beach, and he still decided to stand up and nothing happened. The NHLPA, the head of the NHLPA, Fuhrer, failed. He should be gone. Social has Batman. to be gone. Social your, Batman. Your job as a head of the NHL Players Association, the, the minimum is to you, – you're there for the players. It's in your name. So the fact that you did, failed that and didn't do what you had to do, you're gone. Now, I don't know if you go after the league. Do we believe that Bettman had no idea who John Doe was before? There's a chance. There's a chance he did not know. But again, you're a league. You heard that, like, it went up the ladder. Once the NHLPA knows 
How can the league not? I feel like they're in constant communication. But again, that goes back to that, the NHLPA. If the NHLPA never per- said anything to Bettman and the uh, NHL staff, then maybe he doesn't know. I think it's a highly unlikely he didn't know. Again, where do you draw the line? Because we could talk about this for hours, and we obviously don't want to harp on this. It's important. We didn't get to talk about it last week because it broke after our show. But, you know, Jonathan Tease was the captain of the Blackhawks during that run. Apparently, according to Beach, everyone knew about the allegations. And now you're hearing, you know, you heard Taves and King come out and talk in their press conference. And all they well, did. Beach was, said he believes everyone yes. knew. So there's no way of us knowing. Exactly. And also to put the onus on a 22 year old NHL player for this is no, there's nothing I'm not he putting the, done. I'm not putting the so, onus. I'm not talking about you. I'm saying like people oh, are, yeah. are calling for them to be. We got to stop this, you know, witch hunt to everybody. Well, that's and the thing. Where do you draw the line of accountability? The line, honestly, we're we're looking at Stan Bowman. We're looking at Quenville, Cheval Dayoff, all these guys. The main guy that should be relieved of his duties is Don Fair after that. Oh, I mean, 100%. His, he's the head of the Players Association, that's, players, <laughs> and it was reported to him, and he did nothing about it. That's more that's more of an atrocity than the coaching staff and the management, in my opinion, because that's the guy that's responsible for being the players' liaison to the league. That's worse. So you got Brad Aldridge at the top of our witch hunt, which rightfully show he should be never allowed near anybody again, like you mentioned. Then you have Don Fair, whose responsibility is pretty much higher than that of Bowman, Quenville's, and all of them. And you already have Bowman and Quenville gone, so why not have Don Fair relieved of his duties? Makes no sense to me. Yeah, and um, again, just tough. We're Kyle Beast, we're with you. You're braver, your courage. It really means a lot to everyone in the community. So keep fighting because I know your battle isn't done just yet, but again... You got our support here, and we hope that anyone that is a victim of sexual assault can look at Beach and say, you know what, I can stand up against this and change your life. So, Kyle Beach, thank you. So, moving on now, Ryan Getzloff is now the all-time leading points getter for the Anaheim Ducks, passing Timo Solani last night. He got a nice assist on a Troy Terry goal. And I mean, Brendan, we've watched, I mean, Getzloff's been around as long as we've been watching hockey, and he's got a cup, and now he's leading a young, helping a young Ducks team with his leadership. Try to take that next step. Yeah, Getzlaff is one of those hybrid players. I think he and when I look back at like the league starting to develop, right, we went from the the big tough guys that were enforcers to kind of molding those bigger tough guys that could also play. And Ryan Getzlaff is like that Mark Messier type where he had no problem fighting anybody, but at the same time he could finish, score, pass. He's a point per game player pretty exactly. much for a long time. Exactly. Like people look at Mark Messier and they don't remember that he could Chuck Nucks with anybody. He was protecting Wayne Gretzky in Edmonton. Gets left that same mold. And these players are really rare. And I mean, the fact that he's a leading point scorer in a franchise history just emulates how good of a player he's been for what, 15 years now. Yeah. And the commitment too, to the Ducks. I mean, he had chances to leave. Yep. He's been signing one year deals. We've seen that at times across the NHL where players just decide, you know what, one year deal, go back. It was Thornton, but obviously he's bounced around now over the last couple of years. But Forget stuff. I mean, he's your definition of a leader there. And we don't know how long he'll be around for, but again, he'll always be around in the name of the Ducks because he's now their all-time point getter, and it's tremendous, tremendous achievement for him. Yeah, nobody will be wearing number 15 again in Anaheim Ducks history once he hangs up the laces of the skates, I should say. So uh, heck of a career for him, and it's still going strong. The Ducks have shown that they have some fight in them this season and that they're not going to be completely... Uh, walked over throughout the course of 82 games and you know the last thing around the league that we should mention before we move on to the next uh, topic here is the Carolina Hurricanes are the last undefeated team uh, in the NHL the Panthers officially lost in the shootout to the Bruins so the Hurricanes survived the Coyotes uh, and they are perfect on the season and it's fitting that the last remaining perfect team is in the Metro which is just an absolute juggernaut of a division so who will beat the Hurricanes? That remains to be seen, but they, they're they loaded, and Anderson looks good, and that's just a scary hockey team. No, their next matchup is against the Blackhawks, and hmm. do you want to call that a trap game? I don't know. I thought the Carolina... You've been against the Coyotes, who they just played and beat 2-1. You know, you've been pretty much betting puck line against the Coyotes the whole year. You're up big money. Even though it's not crazy odds, it's the fact that Coyotes are terrible. So I decided, you know what? Let me bet Carolina minus one and a half yesterday for my first game of my parlay because it was an early game of course coyotes are leading for the majority of that one but then they tie it up and they only win by one heartbreaking but a win's a win and we know in this league coyotes could easily beat the hurricane oh i don't know about easily coyotes could beat the hurricanes 
again, any team can beat any team in this league. But the Hurricanes found a way, and they move on, and they're undefeated, and it's just it's domination. I mean, we expect the Hurricanes to be the top team in the Metro, and to start off, they are not disappointing. No, they're not. And, I mean, I can't bet them. I mean, we'll talk about this later on, but yeah, that is the definition of a trap game because they almost fell trapped to Arizona. Oh, and pretty much for me, that was a trap because you're like, oh, minus one and a half, it's in the bag, and yeah. it was not in the bag. They're both due. That game is going to be a lot more interesting than people are. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Gonna think. We'll move on to our next segment, which is $20 beers in honor of the ridiculous beer prices at MSG, where we're talking about Rangers. $20 beers is brought to you by Kong Beer Bong. The Kong Beer Bong is made with Eva foam, chilling your drink longer so you can party harder. Their team created the first beer bong can cooler to help you bring the good times anywhere. So make sure you head over to our link tree again. Go buy your Kong Beer Bong now. So the Rangers are winning despite playing like absolute dumpster fires at times and Igor Shesterkin is the main point of that. I'm not sure Stefan if you caught any of the game against the Seattle Kraken last night, but I did. Igor Shesterkin was Igor Shesterkin and uh, right now uh, the I will say that the New York goaltending is just incredible to watch because <laughs> it doesn't matter whether you're watching the Rangers or Islanders right now and sometimes Sabres. Sabres right now too, but they they are just rolling. And Shesterkin is is standing on his head. And I think that outside of Sorokin, Markstrom, and I'm missing one name Anderson? right now. Not Anderson. There, there was somebody else who was having a great start to the year. I mean, Anderson's having a really good start to Anderson the year. Anderson is. I'm talking about Anderson in Carolina. Oh, yes, there it is. Okay, Frederick, <laughs> Frederick Anderson. Yeah, Frederick, you, yeah. you said Anderson with Buffalo, and <laughs> I had him on the mind. But, yes, Anderson, Markstrom, and then the two New York started goaltenders in the Islanders and Rangers, Shesterkin and Sorokin, have been just unreal. And Shesterkin is, is the sole reason that the Rangers are sitting at 6-2-1 and one right now. But enough goaltending and enough star power to get it done. And another win on the road. <laughs> I mean, they're now 5-1 and one on the road. They won five straight. They just keep getting points, and they have 13 points on the season so far. Maybe you were right to call them Road Warriors last week, even though it's this early. But, yeah, you look back, it's it's so funny the way everything's working out because the Islanders have their record and their points because of Sorokin. Now you're looking at Shesterkin is the main – I mean, we talk about how important goaltending is. And especially in this division, when you need your goalies to make saves that they have no business making in order to stay on top in the division, obviously it's very early in the year. But you're looking in, like you said, Carolina, Frederick Anderson, making those big saves. They obviously have a very good team in front and they're playing – Lights out to start the year. But just Sterkin, watching him play. And one thing I am noticing, I feel like last year, he's making a lot of sprawling saves. And we saw a couple of weak ones go in. But now, while he's making those big-time saves, he's more compact. He's more in control. The rebounds aren't going everywhere. He's not needing to flop. Yes, does he have to make those sprawling saves? Yeah, but it's not because of his own play. It's not because of a bad rebound. He's tracking the puck well. He's holding on to the puck. And he's coming up. When, those, when the Rangers fall apart and need that big two or three saves in a row, He's doing it. He's not failing the Rangers. And I think going forward, that was the biggest thing. So Sturkin's got to stop the shots he, he could stop in his sleep. And then he also has to go out and be that guy. I mean, the save last night when he's, uh, excuse me, on Sunday night, when he dove with his blocker and let his stick go. I mean, that is Lundqvist. I watched and I said, oh, my God, that, that's Henrik Lundqvist. We've seen Henrik Lundqvist do that, especially with the blocker. So I think that he's just more confident in his ability. And he's just, again, positioning has been the biggest thing because he's coming out on top of his crease and he's tracking that puck making saves he maybe not have made wouldn't have made last year and I think obviously you have to credit the goalie coach but also he's your number one guy now there's no oh we're gonna get Georgiev in here and that no you're gave the coaching staff Galant gave him the confidence that this is your crease this is your crease and while that has its own pressure there's not as much pressure to be like you allow one bad goal you're done it's his net they're gonna ride him and right now it's paying off yeah, I mean, uh, I know that Valaket is always diving into this on the Rangers post game and pregame shows, but he's like that he doesn't allow breakaway goals. 
He doesn't allow rebound goals, and he doesn't allow goals through screens. Well, that's the, rebound goals is the biggest thing. So if you're not allowing goals off rebounds, screens, or breakaways, the only way to really beat him is a deflection or an absolute perfect shot, and that's held true so far in this Jordan year. Jordan Everly last night? Oh I mean, that was uh, an unreal goal. I don't, where was this? Where was this with the Islanders? Every time Everly had a chance to score, he would go to his backhand, but it would be in tight. Never once did I see him do a spin around a backhand top shelf. Never once. And it is what it is, but, like, that's some <laughs> shot. And for goalies, I mean, for goalies, not everyone knows, the backhand shot is the hard shot to save because two reasons. The goalie doesn't know where it's going. And even though Everly placed that, Everly really has no idea where that's going to go. Just a different read off the stick. It's going reverse the way it usually does. But that's a perfect shot. You, every once in a while, you watch a goal and yeah. from the other team, and you go, I can't even be mad right now. That was gorgeous. And that, well, was Phillip, one of them. that was Philip Forsberg and the shootout against the Islanders. I mean, he that made Sorokin look I mean, gross. <laughs> but uh, when you watch that replay, not yeah. only you mentioned how hard it is to pick up a backhand, and Eberle has a great backhand. We know that from his time with the Islanders, too. But the spinorama makes it. That's another layer of difficulty for Shesterkin. Yeah. And then he shoots the back end through Truba's legs. Like, it literally yeah, yeah. goes through his legs and then goes top shelf. There's No way <laughs> Shesterkin should stop that. There's not much else that Truba can do there because he was caught in between, and he tried to block it, but it's just a perfect shot. And that's the only way that Shesterkin was getting beat yesterday because Geeky walked right to the slot in a two-on-one, and Shesterkin just dropped put his chest up, blocked it, made the save. And that's what you're talking about is more compact, not as much movement. He made that sprawling blocker save. He made shaves through screens. I mean, he just stopped everything. And there's not much that you could say besides the, the guy is just an elite goaltender in this league right now, and that's the reason that they're winning. And when you're hot, you're hot. And then speaking of Chris Kreider's shot, are we talking about Everly's shot? Chris Kreider's shot, holy smokes. Yeah, that was, that was a snipe. That <laughs> And that's, I, mean, I feel like, what, was that Kreider's first five-on-five five goal this season? Um, second. Because uh, I seem like I seem like he's always, like, deflecting shots on the power play. He is. He has seven goals, five on the power play. So he, yeah. he does have two. I can't tell you when the last one was. But I, I can't pinpoint when he scored five-on-five five before that, but I know he did. Uh, but, yeah, I they... He's leading by example, and... There was a lot of question marks with his contract. Is it worth it? Should they keep him around? What is he even doing? Like, is he is he part of the future of this team? I know there was potential talks. We had under D on that credit, maybe going somewhere else. But they locked him up, and it is paying off right now. So Yeah, and the, the one thing I will say is that as much as we're getting on the Rangers for their lack of you know performance at times throughout games, they haven't really played a full 60 outside of that CBJ game yet. And yeah. we saw how good they looked when they did that. Mika Zibanejad hasn't gotten going. Like he hasn't. Artemi Panarin has points, but hasn't looked like Artemi Panarin. And if you can get those two guys right, and it's pretty much just a matter of time before they do get right, I mean, this is a dangerous hockey team now because that puck possession metric where you're chasing the play, chasing the play, relying on Igor, when you have your two offensive weapons going, that means you're holding the puck more. That kind of balances itself out, and now it's a much different approach. And we saw what they could do against Columbus when they could dominate offensively. And is Adam Fox just... I, I, I know I'm going to get a lot of heat for this. I know his career is very young. I think he's the best two-way defenseman in the NHL. I just He doesn't fail on defense. And what you see from his offensive ability is something that you see from a Panarin-like forward his whole career. Like The, the plays Adam Fox makes, the vision, the, the goal. I mean, that little toey and then putting it back, uh, gloves. It's so impressive. He's so young. He's playing like he's a seasoned vet, a 10-year seasoned vet. And he's doing it on both sides. I don't know how... How you describe him as other than an elite hockey player? He's elite. He is. I mean, forget the toe drag at the end. How about the 250-foot give-and-go? With, <laughs> I mean, he picked up that puck after the Shesterkin save, sauces it three lines to Panarin at the far blue. Panarin pivots, and then who's that? That's Adam Fox now skating 150 feet to get back into the play and scoring. Uh, he is elite. Uh, he's definitely one of the top two-way defenders in the game. Uh, I mean, you don't lose anything defensively, like you mentioned. He's it's, playing against the team's top line, and he scores. He has nine points in nine games. Yeah, and we saw last year. I mean, the guy produces, and he makes big, big plays on a nightly basis. And, you know, it's just looking at the future of this Rangers team, man, it's – I don't know how Ranger fans could ever be negative. I know there's a lot of Ranger fans that are negative at times, and I get it. Every fan base is at times, but the future – 
With I mean, I, you would think Fox is probably your eventual captain, potentially. I mean, you'd have to think it's either between... He's definitely going to wear... Is he even A yet or no? He does not have a single letter yet. I, I mean, he doesn't need one, but he does lead by example on both sides of the ring. So eventually, I think if the leadership skill is there, he'll get an A or a C. I mean, he, he, it looks like they're molding him to be that next captain. Yeah. If they weren't going to name Kreider yet or Zabanadred yet, then it looks like it's going to be going to Fox. I mean, I, for one, like having a captain that is going to be there long term. And the Rangers' last couple of captains were there long term until they got shipped off. But if you're looking at the roster right now, looks like your longest tenured player is going to be Adam Fox. I mean, the, the guy's 23 turning 24. Why would you ever let him go? I mean, I would just give him the Brinks truck and tell him to fill it up with how much money he wants. I don't care. <laughs> you you could put, put five other defenders around him. Just let Adam Fox be there, and you're going to have some chances to win every night. That's how good this guy is. Yeah, it's just he's a monster. That's, there's no other way to put it. And the Rangers, uh, the Rangers on Tuesday are in Vancouver. Vancouver is struggling. They have a good goaltender, though, as well. Yep. But, Brendan, they're road warriors, so you have to think they go in there and they get two points and get out. I mean, Tuesday's a big game because Tuesday you play against the Vancouver team that, like you mentioned, doesn't have – they're not clicking on all cylinders yet. Elias Pedersen doesn't look like himself. you got to get another win, go to 7-2-1 and on the season because I believe on Friday – yep, Friday they go to Edmonton and then they have a back-to-back with the Flames who just dummied them around MSG. Flames look unreal right now. They are rolling on all cylinders, so – those two games to finish off that, you know, Western Canada swing are going to be very difficult. So you want to get the wins now while you can. So you got to beat up on a Vancouver team that's 3-5-1. and one. Tomorrow night, go into Edmonton, hope you can steal a win in one of Vancouver. those two buildings. No, I said you got to beat Vancouver, then go into Edmonton, oh, hope you can you. steal a win either in Edmonton or in Calgary before you go back home. So it's a, it's a big game for this road trip on Tuesday because if you lose this one, then you're at – at the mercy of the other two teams, and you could go one and three, which would put them back significantly in the early stages. Lucky Land Casino asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Ages of the season in the Metro. All right, Brendan, it's time to talk about the Islanders on our next segment called Island Time. Island Time is brought to you by Yeats. Yeats Sunglasses is an affordable company that looks to help create change using a percentage of their profits to help clean beaches around the world. No matter your style, Yeats Shades are here to help you chase your vision. Use code BACKCHECK at checkout. Link also in our bio. So, Brendan, the Islanders, we talked about it earlier, their schedule. It's been tough. 13-game road trip, but a lot of off days involved. They played Sunday against Vegas, last Sunday, excuse me. Picked up a win there. Back-to-back games um, that weekend. Sorokin had two shutouts. You can't ask for a better thing. But then, off. They were off for a while. Their last game they played uh, was Saturday. And the Islanders played a very good game. They played a strong game. It looked like they were going to edge out a win there. And you just look back, and those are one of those games where you look back in the season at the end and go, that's when we probably should have had. They lose to the Predators 3-2 in a shootout. They had a lead until a little, I think, like 10 or so minutes left in the third period. They lose the lead, and eventually they go to overtime. Three-on-three play was pretty lousy for the Islanders. And then you go into a shootout, and the Islanders don't score. And that hurts because... In the shootout, I mean, you, you need one or two goals. Sorokin can't stop them all. And for Sorokin, you know, this is the first time he's playing against teams that aren't weren't in his division last year. You know, he only, he's only played against seven or eight teams over his career, plus the games this year. He doesn't know the shooters. Yes, we have scouting reports. We talked about the Forsberg goal. I mean, those are filthy. That's that's a goal scorer's goal there. But you look back, and there are positives from this game. The Islanders do extend their, their point streak um, to five games. The power play, two for four. It was a struggle coming in. And you look and you have uh, Bavillier has a wide open cage, scores a goal. Alva Wallstrom goes with a beauty high blocker side. And again, Wallstrom is this sniper the team has. They've been asking for an elite sniper. He's the guy. He'll get better as the season progresses. He's in year two of actually being a, a major part of this team. But he scores a fantastic goal off a great feed by Brock Nelson. You look at this power play. And coming in, they were at 12.5%. They were 2-for-16 to start the year. Obviously, it's a little better now statistically, but 
that's something to build off of because the power play has to be a strength. We've seen in the postseason and over the last couple of years, it's been a weakness, and especially in the playoffs. When you have chances on the power play, you got you got to find a way to execute because you don't know how many more chances you're going to get. And for the Islanders, the penalty kill stopped a very strong penalty uh, power play for Nashville. They were third in the league coming into that game. I think they were over 30%. I want to say between 38%. And penalty kill was 4 for 4 It was fantastic. I mean, Mayfield and Pellick led on the defense. Pajot, Sezikis, Clutterbuck. I mean, that whole group was fantastic. I just, you know, we're looking at the points, and we're seeing the Hurricanes getting off to a great start, the Rangers getting off to a great start. The Islanders are trying to get there. And again, the road trip has... Has its faults. I mean, you're, you're talking about a 13-game road trip to start a season for a team that's, again, cup or bust. It's pretty much what this year is. And you want to come home at least over 500. That's the plan. I think the Islanders should be better than that. There's more games left. And it's Sorokin's net. I mean, Barry Trotz has talked about it, how Simon Varlamov's ready. He's healthy and ready. And there's no rush in getting him in. We talked about it. You know, you want to ride Sorokin the same way you ride Sturkin. They're hot right now. And Sorokin obviously didn't have a shutout. His shutout streak came to a close in that game on a goal that was deflected. Originally, you thought, all right, he probably wants that back. It was deflected on the play, so it's tough. But he's still a force for you guys, for the Islanders right now. And moving forward, you look at the—I don't want to harp too much on that game because it's a game they played 40-plus great minutes of hockey, and they didn't get the two points. They got the point, and that—I mean, your goal on the road especially, you just get as many points as you can. But you look back, and that's a game the Islanders— have to win, quite frankly, and you'll you'll build on the, the positives and negatives. A little sloppy, a bunch of turnovers. Chara again. I mean, on the tying goal, he, he breaks his stick early in the shift. on a chance. He had a chance to clear the puck out. You don't want to harp just on him because it was other chance to get the puck out. But it was his mistakes that proved costly yet again. The, this leash, we've talked about this leash is very long for veterans under Barry Trotz. And you just, Chara just doesn't have it. And... <laughs> He doesn't have it, and it's it's an anchor for the Islanders right now. It's it's caused the Islanders to have to break up their top defensive pairing to provide more stability. But even Pulak alongside Chara, statistically, that line hasn't been great, and you can't fault Pulak. I mean, he's playing by himself. And yep. it's sad, it's sad to see because it was such a great story, Chara coming back. But it's not worked, and I don't know how much longer you could let it happen because again. Do I blame Char for the Islanders not picking up two points? No. A lot of things went into it. Islanders, again, didn't score in the shootout. There were chances to get that puck out. They could have scored more goals. They didn't, whatever the case may be. But he's not helping this team at all. And, yeah, guys got Ajo. We talked about Salo last week. I mean, when do you have to start saying, you know what, Char? I'm sorry. We got to give these youngsters a chance. Char's a professional. He's always not playing well. It just it just sucks to watch and, and moving forward they got they got to figure that out because the defense is the bread and butter for this team and right now it's it hasn't been the strength that it was last year. Yeah, they should have done it yesterday. Um, in terms of Sorokin, that pad save and OT to keep it alive oh, geez, was, yeah. <laughs> was unreal. I I saw it right away and I was like, okay, that's either a great block by Pulak again because again seems yes, to do yes. everything like that. But then when they showed the replay and he got the pad and I was like, that's that's unreal. So. He he did everything in his power. I mean, the only thing that really beat him in the shootout was a perfect shot by Yossi and just <laughs> one of the greatest moves you're going to see in the shootout by Forsberg. Forsberg it made the move, and it's very rare that you see a move that could have worked in three different spots. He could have gone five, he could have gone high, he could have gone whatever he wanted to, really. He could have went to the back end and probably had a chance to score. When he came back to the forehand, he could have slid it five hole, and then he wound up chipping it high glove. I mean, Sorokin just tried to spread out, but there... He, I don't even know what he did. He just buckled. He buckled me watching, and I was sitting on the couch. So that was, <laughs> that's how good that move was. But they did. They played well. I thought that they were going to come away and uh, come away with two points there. And Nashville just stuck around long enough to win. And Soros played well. And you mentioned goaltending. It's it's really that simple. Where when you look across the major sports, the one position that seems to have the most impact on a game night in and night out is goaltending and hockey. And as good as Sorokin was throughout that game, Soros matched him and just made a couple of saves in the regulation that kept the Predators within game, and they wound up winning it for him. So you can't blame Sorokin. can't really blame anyone solely, like you mentioned, but Char does have to, to He's got to go. It's, He's got to take he, a seat. I'm not saying his career, his NHL career is over, but... You just you just can't have this. You can't have the sloppiness. You can't have the turnovers. It doesn't. It looks like he's not trying out there. And the problem is, is he's trying very hard, and that's the problem. He's not the player he once was. But we don't want to harp 
I feel like Harp's my word of the day. It is. Like four I, or five I feel like Char should be doing what your neighbor's doing right now and just mowing his lawn, enjoying a nice, relaxing day, not suiting up for the Islanders to play hockey. Yeah, I apologize for that. I can't control. I can't control my neighbor's uh, contract and days and times, but uh, it is what it is. But m- looking forward, the Islanders now play Thursday in Montreal. I mean, come on, that, that's got to be two points. <laughs> yeah, you know what's going to happen though. You know they be... played the most games in the league, right? Montreal. <laughs> they tied for the most games in the league and the worst record in the league. Yeah, obviously that's definitely East. a. That's not. I don't think that's a trap game. The Islanders got to go in there and handle business, and they have a weekend when they play Winnipeg and Minnesota. Winnipeg lost to who this weekend? They lost to a bad team. Winnipeg lost to San Jose with San Jose seven players being. Oh, that's what COVID. it was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, no, sorry, sorry to make fun of the San Jose Sharks team. They're not a bad team. They came out of the gate hot. They've slowed down a little bit, but yeah, they were missing everybody. They're practically playing their whole Barracuda lineup, which is their AHL affiliate, and they won. Winnipeg hasn't really played to the level that we've expected, um, but they're still a tough team to play, and so is Minnesota. And I think what happens this week is I think you do see Varlamov play. It's a back-to-back. Obviously, Sorokin played the last back-to-back Saturday and Sunday when they played the Coyotes and Vegas, but that's because Corey Schneider was the backup, and I don't think you trust him to play a single second in the NHL yet. Still working his way back, trying to get that confidence. I don't know if Schneider will ever play in the NHL. Again, Trotz did not want to go to him, but now you have your tandem back. Sorokin's not playing the back-to-back. I'll just say it right now. As much as hot as he is, that's your chance to get Varlamov in. What I think you do, you go Sorokin Thursday, get the win in Montreal, you play Varlamov Saturday against Winnipeg, and you go back to Sorokin Sunday against a very, very good Minnesota Wild team. Get that. You got to get that tandem running. The question is, when do you get Varlamov in, and what's a leech with him? If he comes in, obviously there's going to be rust involved. Varlamov hasn't played since Game 7 against the uh, Lightning. We all know how that ended. But he's got to get in there. He's got to play. So I think that's Saturday would be a perfect day for Varlamov to make his season debut. And you're just looking from him is you're looking for what he brought last year. Again, we talk about Shosturkin being compact, positional. I mean, that's Varlamov's game too. It's never going to be crazy. He's not going to make those highlight real saves because he doesn't have to. When he's on his game, he's positioned well. He controls his rebounds. And for the Islanders right now, with the way their defense is played, you need that. But again, if Varlamov plays solid... You go back to Sorokin, it doesn't mean you have to go back to Valmar right after that either. Because, again, with the, the vacation, the scheduling, you just got to get them in there. You got to see what Valmar has. I know he's lost weight to get into better shape as he's getting older, which we'll see how that pays off. But it, it really comes down to the defense in front yep. of Varlamov. I think Sorokin, skill-wise, is the better netminder. Just, you know, the athleticism. And right now, the Islanders' defense has had holes, and Sorokin's been able to play his game and make those saves. I don't know if Varlamov is making those saves. So the Islanders' defense, if Varlamov is in there, it's not going to have to be perfect, they got to shore up some things because as good as Varlamov is, he's not the athletic guy that Sorokin is. And that, that'll come costly if the Islanders can't play a strong defensive game, especially against a Jets team who does have offensive weapons. And for the Wild, Sorokin will have to be probably on his game again because that Wild team is very talented. So they play three games in four days. They play Montreal, and then they have a day off, and then the back-to-back, right? Yep. All right, gotcha. So, yeah, the Minnesota Jets, that's a, uh, that's a tough one. You're going from Canada back to Minnesota to – to play two solid teams, that, that's a tough two-game stretch right there. So <laughs> that makes the Montreal game even more important. We're getting, we're get, uh, yeah. They, I, like I said, that that's got to be a win. That's got to be a def, uh, defining win. Like I don't know, a five-one. I mean, they gotta they gotta put the offense. They gotta get some five-on-five goals. They again, their their goals on in Saturday's loss were just power play, two power play goals. And again, I can't speak enough of Wallstrom's shot there. I just. I, I, the talk is always, and it, it bothers me, is Islanders need an elite scorer. The Islanders need an elite scorer. He, he, he getting, if he got the minutes on the top line with Barzal, I, we, we've been asking for it. I don't know if it's going to happen. The third line should be a force as well. But Wallstrom is that elite guy. He's got to give him the chance to show that. And he gets a chance in the shootout, which we didn't talk about. But he got the chance to shoot in the shootout. He missed the net. Yeah. Now, when you get a chance like that, when you don't really get those chances on a on a basis when they do go to shootouts you got to hit the net and that's the one thing that plagued him a little bit last year on the power play especially was not hitting the net he's looked a lot better he is hitting that he's scoring goals if you get a chance in a shootout you got to hit the net I mean that's that's a given so he'll learn from that he'll go forward I know Bavillier spoke about it after the game that he didn't score either he said you know what it's probably the worst feeling in the world when you don't score in the shootout because you feel like you let your team down especially when you lose but we've become accustomed to seeing the Islanders not score in shootouts it's just not a not a strength which is why 
the Islanders got to close that game out in regulation. This is a team that's usually get a lead to the third period or get a lead during the period. They usually find a way to close it out. And again, it goes down to the, the struggling defensive play, not getting the pucks out, which has led to their downfall, uh, a missed opportunity for a point there. But you can't harp on that. And here's that word again. Yep. You can't you can focus on that loss. You got to move forward. You have the off days to, to work on stuff again. They should definitely work on their three-on-three play. It was horrendous. And you go from there. Again, Thursday, big game against Montreal. That's got to be a big-time win. And then you go into Canada to go uh, Western Canada. You play Winnipeg. And then hopefully you find a way to pick up a nice, solid win against the Minnesota Wild. All right, and now it's time for the goal lines. The goal lines is brought to you by BetUS. BetUS is one of the pioneers in the legal online sports betting industry and provides a safe and secure place for sports wagering to more than 1 million clients. Join America's favorite sports book. If you have a problem, call 1-800-GAMBLERS. So we yes. got some games, right? We got, we got a couple of good games here. Before and... we start with the games on the tap for today, I just want to say we have text messages about the Blackhawks last night, where I said to you, yeah. you know what, Blackhawks are going to win this game. Should have bet them straight. Decided to throw them in a little parlay with the uh, the Capitals. Unfortunately, Lightning won. I did hedge, so I got money. But I said the Blackhawks are going to win. They did, and now they have won a game on the season. And I said in the message, it would be a perfect time to win after Gary Bettman embarrasses himself about how the uh, scandal was handled. I was right. I was right. Tap myself on the back there. I think the win had more to do with Patrick Kane coming back, but oh, probably, yes. yeah, he nice little hat trick for him, but yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, they they looked like you know a team that should that needed a win. I guess is the best way to say. It. And the Senators looked like a team that is from Ottawa. Um, so tonight, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'll let you start it off. Your your pick a pick of the night, right? We got some lines on BetUS here that we've been looking at. So uh, yeah. what do you, what are you going with? All right, my, my favorite game of the night is the Wild uh, against Ottawa. Wild, they're minus 220. I'm taking a money line. I just think Ottawa lost to Chicago. That's embarrassing in its, its own right. Their number one goalie, Matt Murray, played and got lit up. So they're either going to go with Forsberg, who's been terrible. I think he's got over four goals against average. They have Gustafson, who's been actually pretty good, 2.33. I think he's played three games. But, I mean, I, this Ottawa team, just you just lost to the Blackhawks. Shame on you. Shame on you. And I think the Minnesota Water, fantastic club. I just think this is going to be an ugly one for Ottawa. Yeah, I mean, that that is a, a safe bet to say. Uh, Ottawa didn't look good last night at all, back-to-back against arguably a much better team in Minnesota, too, tonight. So not not a real ideal schedule for them. My pick, and they're in Minnesota, too. Yeah, they, they're going to lose. Yeah, I mean, Minnesota should be locked. You might even want to spice that up and go minus you know, I, I, line I'm, there. I'm, think, <laughs> I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking about it. Um, let me just check the line, actually. So if we look at that, Minnesota minus one and a half is plus one fifteen. I might, I might. We'll see. Although anytime you think something's a lock, that's usually when the well, team that's the problem loses. because if I if I throw a parlay or anything and it's minus one and a half, first off, you can't hedge that really, and secondly, you're going to be really freaking pissed if the Wild just wins. So I just rather take them straight. Yep, I agree. My my pick of the day is in Philly. Coyotes Flyers over is only five and a half. I'm going to take that over. I think that that over is low because. Melka or whatever his name is just had a great game but that was an anomaly and the Flyers can score especially at home and Carter Hart is the dumpster goalie. fire so along with Martin Jones whoever all the, all the Coyotes need there in my opinion is two and we're going to hit that over so that's what I'm going to go with but I do like the Dallas Stars at plus 110 and Winnipeg tonight too they're coming off a three or four day layoff their last game was a terrible loss to Ottawa they have to bounce back and Winnipeg just fumbled the game against the Sharks team that was completely shorthanded. We'll see. I think that Dallas plus money is good value there too. Yeah, and looking, you know, down the week, we're going to pick three games each, me and Brendan. So Thursday, I mean, I don't like betting against, uh, betting on my my team and the Islanders, but if you have any game that they have to win, I mean, we talked about it already on the show, they have to beat Montreal. Now the lines aren't out yet. But you got to think that's a game you might go spread for the Islanders. Again, they've had trouble scoring, but this Montreal team's bad. If the Islanders could find a way to play their game, they took baby steps. They, their power play looked great. Penalty look, kill looked great. They could put up some goals on this Montreal team, of course. Caulfield got sent down. So I think that's a game you have to go with. The Islanders have to win that game. If they don't win that game, never bet the Islanders again because that, that should be an easier one for them. Friday, I'm looking. Coyotes money line at, at Anaheim. 
Coyotes have to win. They got to win a game. We just saw teams that have already, like the Blackhawks. They were due for a win. They got one. I think eventually they're going to win. I think Ducks, while Gibson's a fantastic goalie, they haven't been great. So I think the Adders might be able to go in there, you know, and get a job done. So I'm going to take a a big risk, and I'm going to go on Wednesday night, Chicago Blackhawks. I talked to you about this in that message exchange, too. Over yes. the Carolina Hurricanes. Hurricanes are due for a loss. The Blackhawks just got a massive win. They're still at home. Patrick Kane is going to be, you know, coming off a hat trick, so he'll be flying around. And, and I think that if there was a time for the Hurricanes to lose, that's the game that they're going to they're gonna drop. So, so you think the Blackhawks are winning back-to-back games? Correct. They're 0-7 and 2. If you could lose that many in a row, you could win two in a row. It's, it's, it's very, that's a very fair point. Very, very fair point. I forgot to say my last game. Uh, Saturday, I have the under Carolina at Florida. I mean, you're looking at two teams absolutely stacked. Both number one goaltenders are hot. I'm assuming it's going to be Anderson or Bobrovsky. But if it's not, you know, Spencer and I could be in there. But I think that'll be the match of the number one netminders. And they've been fantastic. Well, this this could be an under game or it could be a freaking over game and they all get lit up. But I'm, I'm more lean, leaning towards the under for that one. Yeah, and that only helps my argument too because the Hurricanes play on Wednesday against the Blackhawks and they have a couple of days off. And then the big matchup against Florida, whereas the Panthers play against the Capitals before that game. Would you uh, so, say the unders probably? I mean, yeah, if it's if it's against two top tier goalies in this league, five and a half, five. So, I would say based on the two offenses, it's going to be six. And that's I, good because last night's game, Capitals and Lightning, was a six. And I always tend when I see two teams that like replicate a playoff matchup against each other, I go under. Uh, and it hit. It was a three-two game. So I think if you have the ability to to bet the under. It's definitely wise, but in those types of regular season matchups, they're usually close scoring. But with these two offenses, you really don't know that there could be. It could be the game that Anderson finally caves, right? Yeah. Or Bobrovsky caves. So it's that's a tough one. What's your last game, brother? So I like uh, also on Wednesday. I like Colorado against over Columbus. Colorado's home. Uh, they they've been starting to piece it together now that McKinnon's back. And I think that they're going to figure it out, but. That that's my 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 lock for this week. Yeah, so we'll check in next week to see if that in fact works out for both of us, and if it does, hopefully we'll make big money. If not, we're not going to talk about it. That's how that's how sports betting works, right, Brennan? Correct. If you win, you brag about it. If you lose, then you just move on to the next week. Yes. So speaking of next week, our guest is Nick Gismondi, the TV broadcaster with the Seattle Kraken on Root Sports. So guys, next week. It'll be a fantastic interview. He also does work with NHL Network. So we'll see you guys again next week. Thanks for tuning in and hope you enjoyed the new segments. The Back Check is your one-stop shop for NHL news and all things Rangers and Islanders. Thanks for sticking with us for this edition of The Back Check. Follow the show on social media at BackCheckPod. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready.